This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Episode 222, John Christopher's Tripods Trilogy. Welcome to the Strangers and Aliens podcast. Strangers. <laughs> to boldly say what needs to be said. Would you be a stranger or an alien? Or would you be a strange alien? The truth is out there. I am your father's best friend, Plumber. Superman. Wonder Woman. Heroes. Villains. Captain Picard versus Captain Kirk. Do you think that there's room in sci-fi for God? The very first thing that God did was that he created something. So we have a creative God. This is Strangers and Aliens Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Strangers and Aliens. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and I'm sitting here by a nice warm fire. Uh, nice. And sitting across the table from me. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, there's really a fire this time. He's not making it up. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's, it's a true. scented candle. <laughs> yeah, I don't light them. And it, it's one of the things that, you know, you just have to you learn to deal with in marriage. I don't light the candles, you know. But you don't blow them out. Well, you could say I didn't start the fire. <laughs> it was always burning. It was burning. always burning, mm. yeah. So, but I have to blow them out because I'm the last one who goes to bed. Nice. <laughs> so there are there have been one or two occasions where Pam has woken me up in the middle of the night and said, did you blow out the candle? I think I smell it. And sure enough, <laughs> she smelled it and it was still going. But it's in those big, you know, glass, sturdy jars. Oh, yeah, that'll be I mean, fine. If I left this on, it's not going to be that big of a deal. But anyway, I hope you're warmed up next to your fire at home and you're That's right. wrapped up against this evil cold outside. <laughs> I went, you know, we're in February and I went for a walk in shorts this afternoon. Mm. It's very, very nice out yeah. right here where we live. Yeah. Um, so as winter rages outside and we're sitting next to this nice warm fire, we're going to talk about a book series called The Tripods Trilogy. Oh, yes. And this is a book series that we have been wanting to talk about for a while. And we're just now getting around to it partially so I could reread the series and partially because there's just lots of other stuff coming up. But this is something that when Evan and I were kind of getting to know each other, we realized we both had this trilogy in common uh, from when we were kids. Yep. And, and we really like it to this day. Yeah, yeah. And so... Uh, this I'm is, Evan, by the way. Yeah. For those of you first-time uh, listeners. Right. It's nice to meet you. I'm one of the co-hosts. Yeah. So this is, these are the three books that Evan read when he was a kid. I don't think so. No? Nope. No? You didn't read three books when you were a kid? I did not. Um, I read this book, the prequel book, when I was a um, kid. I attempted to read this book. The first in the trilogy. The, the first in the trilogy, yes. I'm pointing to them on the table, but you guys can't see that, can you? And uh, it's uh, that was the White Mountains. And then I, I didn't get very far. Um, 
but then when I was in college, I read the, I read oh, the series. Okay. So it's been it's more recent for me that I found out that I really like them. But I enjoyed the the prequel book when I read it as a kid. The takeaway from the story is that Evan did read one book. Yes, when he was a kid. So my friend Jack, who's now uh, he's training to be like an army ranger, he's the one who read them all and he told me about them, and I was intrigued me. So I attempted to get them from my library. Well, the prequel book hadn't come out when I was in middle school, but the tripods books had and i somehow ended up with them through i think the what do you call it the book fair or the the you know the papers that you would get mm-hmm. in your classroom book fair. yeah and you would um choose the books you want you bring your money in an envelope give it to your teacher and your teacher would place the order and then it would come you know three weeks later and and there'd be your books and so I had all three of these books as books that I bought, but then I, because of those books, read some other books by John Christopher from the library because I really, really liked this trilogy when I was a kid. And it might be one of those childhood touchstones for me mm. where I, I read them and they just kind of stuck with me. And rereading them was really fun for me because I had forgotten some of the details, like the big overarching thing I remembered. I remembered what was going on as far as what these tripods were. And I remembered the friends that the main character met. And I remember the old man that the main character met at the very beginning who gives him the call to action, the, uh, the hero's call. And I remember that stuff, but there were some details that came out that I don't want to spoil right now. And maybe we'll do a spoiler thing at the end or something. But uh, there is one thing in particular that happened where I was just like, Oh my goodness. <laughs> I completely forgot about it. that was horrible. It was just it was awful, and in in the best way possible, <laughs> right? You know, horrible in in that yes, I was horrified, but um, but you're supposed to be, yeah, yeah. So anyway, that's what we're we're devoting this episode to this this trilogy. We're gonna be we're gonna be specific as far as uh, the ideas. We're gonna we're gonna t- dive into the concept of the book and stuff like that. But we're gonna not spoil the endings of each of the books and not spoil some of those moments in those books that are just, um, that we want, if you're going to read it, you should experience. Yes. We're gonna be careful. We're going to try. Um, and we probably will play the organ at some point and mm-hmm. that'll be, that'll be your cue to know. Yeah. We're going to talk some spoilers. Yeah. But, um, in case we do spoil some of this, um, and you want to turn it off now before we t- get into any more, um, I just want to say, recommend the books and i do too they are they're good they were good now and they were good then for me and my kids like them as well so and that's uh ages 10 through 15 Mm. and it's it's easy read breezy read Mm -hmm. it'll suck you in and it's uh yeah easy easy read it it takes you along and it's not it's not difficult to get through yeah it, it is not yeah it doesn't take long to get through that that trilogy um the prequel takes a little while to get through for me (laughs) <laughs> because it's just not that interesting to me. It's not quite as we'll, good. <laughs> we'll talk a little bit about it, but um, that prequel was written, I th- I want to say even 20 years after, let me check, but I think about 20 years after the originals were written. Um, these books were written by John Christopher, and yeah, White Mountains was 67, uh, City of Golden Lead, which is the second book in the series, 67, and Pool of Fire is 68. When the Tripods came is in 1988. And so that was when I would have started high school and I wasn't 
all that interested and didn't really care. I discovered that it had come out as a, there's a prequel to these books when I worked at Barnes and Noble just after I got married and found this prequel and got it from the library. Didn't buy it, but got it from the library and started reading it and just gave up on it (laughs) because it was, it takes place before. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. uh, the main character, Will, who narrates all three books of the trilogy not in there, not born yet. So can't really be in that book. And it just did not grab me reading it this time around. There's some interesting stuff happening in the book and it's actually a pretty timely book as far as how an alien invasion could really work. Um, because they, and this is probably all we're going to talk about the the prequel. Uh, but this alien invasion happens and it happens very, very smoothly because they basically, um, hypnotized through television signal and if he were to if he were alive today to write this book today when the tripods came he would probably just use digital devices yeah you know and just you know it'd be a very easy transition sideways to that but um they use uh, television shows kids shows and hypnotize people and and pull them in so it's you know it's cool but I don't consider it part of the tripods series because it just is so disconnected for me. So disconnected. And All I, right. Yeah. And I prefer the, my, in my mind, the original idea for what the prequel was with these tripods. I mean, they're not from Mars, but in my mind, these, this was like the sequel to war of the worlds. If the aliens had if not the died, aliens had not died or if they figured out, well, uh, they figured out how to not not uh, breathe in our atmosphere, hmm. you know, figure out ways to protect themselves from what our atmosphere had. And so for me, it was kind of a spiritual sequel yeah. to War of the Worlds. And I, I think that's what it's in some ways intended to be. So, yeah, so that's the preamble as far as the prequel goes. That's done. We can move that over here <laughs> and we will not talk about it much at all that's anymore. Fine. That's the one book I I read it when I was like ten or eleven, and I haven't read it since, so I didn't have much to say. I do want to go back and read it uh, nowadays, though, since I've just reread recently. I, recently, so a couple years ago, I reread the whole series except for the prequel, and then, like a year later, or maybe a year and a half, we listened through it all on a long mm-hmm. car trip with the audio drama. So I'm pretty. I've. I've familiarize myself pretty well with these. So I'm excited to, to talk about them. And I, I really, really enjoy them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we'll talk about why we enjoy them. I mean, because you read them for the first time then in college. Yes. And, uh, and I, engaged I read, you mm-hmm. in, in college. Oh yeah. I had read about half of it or maybe not even half, maybe a third of the white mountains when I was little, but yeah, I mean now that I guess that now that I'm old enough to understand really what's all going on, uh, it's it's super engrossing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I, I mean, I really appreciate the world building that's happening yes, here. Yes. And this is probably the most spoilerish that we're going to get into here is to kind of walk through what the world is because some of the world discovery that happens is really cool. So I'm not going to get into too many details with that, but it'll be very, very hard for us to talk about these books without getting into some of the world mm-hmm. and, and how it works and what's going on. Um, because, so you're going to start with the first one. Yeah. Let's, let's talk, start with the first one. We can talk about the white mountains. Um, 
the White Mountains introduces our main character, Will, and introduces um, his small village life. Uh, small village that basically is a medieval European village. I think English. Yep. England. England. And um, he is coming of age to become a teenager, basically. Next year. And when you become a teenager, you become a man, you go in for a capping ceremony. And this capping ceremony means that they are going to put this kind of mesh cap on your head. And by they, we mean... The aliens. Yeah. The, the tri- a tripod comes and takes the kids, and when they come out, they are slightly different as far as their um, personality. They're, they're much more agreeable uh, and much more willing to just go with the flow of what needs to be done and obey the will of the masters. Yep. And so this cap, they shave their heads, put the cap on. Your hair just grows out over it. And yeah. And so it's really interesting because all the books, and this is going into style a little bit, all the books are written from Will's point of view, Mm -hmm. who is a 12 year old kid when we start the series. And so what Will knows, we know. Right. And it's, it's really cool. So if it, like we said, it's a medieval town but the books take place in the far future. Because the invasion has happened. Yes. This is years and years and years after the invasion happened. And this is actually something that John Christopher wanted to do because um, he didn't want to do a end of the world story, which he's known for, for doing that. He wanted to do something. His, his agent basically said, hey, do something for kids, man. And he's, I don't know what to do. And so he comes up with this idea of how he can tell a story that's science fiction in the future, but not have to worry about like projecting into the future and figuring out, okay, so, you know, what would space travel be like mm-hmm. or this, that, the other thing. Because this is before the lunar landing. He wrote it these. It was, yeah. yeah, yeah. And and actually in one of his introductions to, um, I think it's the introduction to the White Mountains, he talks about how he didn't want to deal with like hard sci-fi because – the world was coming closer and closer to that. And as we learn more about what the universe is actually like outside of the earth, uh, science fiction was becoming less science and more fiction. Mm -hmm. And so for him, this was a great way for him to kind of do a story about the past, do a story about what, um, uh, he, he doesn't it's it's not just the past it's his made up past. Right. It doesn't have to be historical in the introduction. Doesn't he say like he, his, editor wanted a a sci-fi book but he was like i'm kind of tired of that i want to write about knights yeah yeah. so he's like i can do both (laughs) but he doesn't have to worry about being historically accurate because it's it's a made-up world basically um but it does get into some uh post-apocalyptic literature uh tropes which are that i'm not gonna get into too much because i love this because all of the post-apocalyptic fiction that's like nowadays it's almost identical with a few tweaks here and there. Mm-hmm. This is – it turns it on its head a little bit, and I love it. Yeah. It's such, a, it's such a different way to look at a post-apocalyptic story. So the main setup for the White Mountains is this guy who is a vagrant, which is someone who um, – the capping didn't work. And so you have these vagrants who are walking around uh, just the countryside. Basically, their brain is fried. Yeah. And they're given food by people, and they're kept alive by people. They're just a part of society. But at the same time, people don't really respect them, and they're weird, and they say weird things, crazy things. 
And Will kind of gets talking to this particular vagrant and figures out this guy's brain isn't fried. He's He's pretending. Yeah. And he is looking for people like Will who have not been capped yet, but who are, you know, creative and who are open-minded and who questioning questioning things. And you're not supposed to question anything. And for a lot of the kids, they make it through uh, where maybe they have questions in their mind, but, you know, society is saying don't question anything. So they don't. Right. And it just it just works out fine for them. And it's great because, like, he says, like, you know, the cappings and the tripods, it's just a part of life. And we, we just – they're hushed tones. We don't talk mm-hmm. about that sort of thing. It's just the way things are. But the kids every once in a while do talk about mm-hmm. how once someone comes out of a capping. And so Will's best friend, who is older than him, comes out of a capping and it's just – he's different now, you know. And so in some ways you have ideas of just adulthood, kind of, you know, the, the invasion of the body snatchers idea – but this body snatching metaphorically is more age, you know, and, and adults and adulthood takes you away from childish things and causes you to, you know, basically be brainwashed into doing things you don't necessarily want to do and, yeah. and that kind of thing. But in other ways, um, it becomes a fight for, you know, identity and, and keeping your identity. And um, he doesn't want to go through the capping after he sees what happens to his, his best friend. Yeah. And so Osmandias. The vagrant. the vagrant, he sees this and he picks up on this and he's really good at his job of finding people who he thinks might, might be candidates to run away to the white mountains. Yeah. And that's another cool thing about the books is that it all takes place in Europe. You can figure that out, but you, the, it leaves it up to you to figure out where they are geographically right, because right. they don't know. Yeah. There's no maps. Well, and that's one cool thing is, I mean, you said that when, as he's narrating, we only know what he knows, mm. but then there's clues given to us that we know things he doesn't know. Right. And so as he, he meets someone, um, he goes to a land where they speak another language and he meets someone whose name is Jean Paul and his name becomes Beanpole because right. that's what they're, you know, and Beanpole becomes one of the other main characters for the trilogy. And he, we, you, if, as you're reading it, you realize, oh, this is France, you know? And, uh, and then the white mountains you kind of figure out is in Switzerland, you know, which is kind of interesting that the one place for like the resistance is, uh, neutral territory, neutral territory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that's the adventure. The, the first book really is an adventure story, and it does it's it's their journey, and as they're discovering new places and new lands, and walking through dead cities and finding uh, other cultures, and how cappings are different. With every every society is kind of keeping their own uh, cultural and societal identity, but but somehow transformed by the masters right. into you know they all do the capping. They just do it in different ways. And the, and the capping has limited the amount of technology that human beings can develop mm-hmm. and use. Yeah. And so all the advanced, quote unquote, technology has been forsaken and forgotten. Um, and so it's interesting to see how they, how some cultures are using those things from the past that they don't know what they are, where they came from mm-hmm. or what they're used for, but they're still using them in their in different ways in their yeah, society. Yeah. Very interesting. Well, and, and then the capping clearly is uh, mind control. Yeah. And, and population control. Or mind limitation. Yeah, yeah. And so by using the capping, they are getting, you know, they are getting control of 
the world. I mean, what, what we find out is there's pockets of people like Will who end up not getting capped, but they're few and far between. And so the question is, what can we do about it? And so you get into the second book, which is The City of Gold and Lead. My favorite. It's a great book. It's it's infiltration. And Will and um, another new friend, oh, I can't remember the name of the Jacques? Is it? No, is he, he's German. Fritz. 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 Yes. Yep, it's Fritz. And they don't like each other at first, but they end up um, going into a, a, a sports uh, – uh, sports competition kind of like alien olympics yeah yeah um but it's basically to see who would be able to survive longest under really heavy gravity and um breathing air through an air filter that's just really thick and and so will and fritz win and they get to go into the city of golden lead they get to go into one of the master's main cities and it's this domed city with pyramids inside and um an alien atmosphere inside the dome and all that so inside the dome is everything is whatever their home world is like and this is where you find out details about their home world and about their plan for what they have planned for the earth which we're not going to spoil no no but it's not just hey we're going to make these colonies and, and control the people uh they've got they've got their eyes set on some things and it's hard for will to even understand what it even means because space he's a medieval country boy (laughs) yeah and so this one becomes them finding out the plans and then figuring out how are they going to escape to give details about the city so that they can have their final resistance and And as as you talk about this i just want the the depth of the world building in the depth of the in the nuances of the characters and the, the accuracy in which they're portrayed with what he's set up it's so good it's yeah. so good cuz this kid he he doesn't like he doesn't know that the earth's a planet he doesn't know that the stars in the sky are suns you know and he he doesn't know any of that stuff well he he did there was a book that they had if i remember right that had like pictures of things that he just couldn't understand. But like that was in like the shack. With the resistance? No, in like the shack where they were, they would go in and oh, I think, hang out. I think it was Ozymandias who explained that okay. all to him. Well, anyway, yeah, it, but it is totally like, how do you grasp and put your head around this? And the idea that these people who are in control aren't even from here, from this planet, let alone, you know, from I mean, where else could they be from? You know, but once you accept that they are from somewhere else, then you're accepting that somewhere else. Yeah. So crazy. In the in the concept of like the ancients, which is us. Mm-hmm. You know, they call they call them the ancients, and like you know, they they say you know I saw I saw and I looked where you're not supposed to look in the city of the ancients, and I saw a ship that's bigger than the village, mm-hmm. and the ancients built that, and he can't even comprehend or visualize what that would look like. Yeah. Yeah. And the other cool thing is the resistance is uh, reverse engineering some of this stuff. And just so then you have these ideas of they're trying to figure out how did this work? Right. And okay, so now we kind of know the concept behind how it works, but how do we make it? And we're not talking about they're not reverse engineering the alien stuff. They're reverse engineering human stuff stuff that they've it's been long forgotten about what it was used for. So cool. Yeah. So the final book, The Pool of Fire, is basically the final battle. 
It's yeah. it's them figuring out, taking the knowledge that uh, that Will is able to bring back and uh, figure out how do we use this knowledge? How do we, you know, they, they also have been able to study one of the, they've been able to capture some people, you know, aliens. And so there, there's some other studying that's happened and stuff, but the, the question is how do we use that and, and do an attack and, and coordinate that attack with the other hubs around the world. And that's kind of cool too, was it gets global in the pool of fire. Yeah. And, and the other cool thing about it is that, you know, like Luke Skywalker, he comes in and they just throw him into the death star battle. Right. You know, it's just, Oh, you're a farm boy, but you were part of the, you know, you help rescue princess Leia. So we're going to trust you and (laughs) and we're going to let you do this. And it's good thing they did because he, you know, they blew up the death star because they did that. But, um, with Will, he's having to sit out some stuff and he's having to deal with his his feelings of I was a part of this and I was a part of that and now I can't do this. And um, yeah, and then some of the clever stuff that goes on in their final battle as they're trying to figure out how do we take out um, these cities and yeah. how do we get into the city and to how, take it out? How do we take out this advanced alien yeah. race that took out our ancient ancestors with all their technology and we've got horses? Yeah. <laughs> yep. you know? yeah. so it's pretty cool yeah and of course i mean the it's the tripods trilogy and that's based on the primary means of travel that the aliens use around uh our world and so they come they come into like they leave their cities in tripods and they go out and this is you know the tripods have these long arms and there's lots of tense scenes where they're, you know, hiding from the tripods and hiding from like the beams of light that the tripods are using to try and scan the, the, very tense. And, uh, and the tripods are kind of like, they're kind of creepy a little bit because especially in the first book, Mm -hmm. because a lot of times they're just stationary. It's like silent (laughs) sentinels, you know, and you don't know what they're going to do or when they're going to move. for two weeks. Yeah. (laughs) And we, we don't know like what's inside, what's going on. So it's just kind of freaky. Yeah. Yeah. And the one thing that could happen is White Mountain sets up a ton of mystery stuff. Mm-hmm. One of the things I appreciate about City of Golden Lead is the when you find out what's actually inside, it's not a letdown. Yeah. You know, it's not like, oh, man, you know, the mystery is so good. Now you find out who it really is, what they're really like. The, it's actually really neat. And you, when you see, you, you, well, you don't see, but when you um, – read the description of what they look like and read the description of how they move around and the kinds of things that they live. And, and as Will is watching them uh, just do their day-to-day business and trying to figure out, well, why in the world are they doing that? You know, and we never get an explanation, right? They don't tell you. <laughs> like, it just doesn't happen. We only know what Will knows. He doesn't know. And it's, a, <laughs> yeah. And the, so that first person narrative really works well. And so I love Will. Yeah. When I was a kid, um, I, I loved Will. I love spending time with him. Um, he was a great character and, uh, you know, a character like this could be just kind of boring, uh, you know, just as he's going bouncing around from thing to thing. Uh, but he does have choice. Mm-hmm. He does, you know, sometimes make wrong choices and have to deal with that. Uh, it's very, very human emotions going yeah, on. Yeah. yeah. And it's like reading through it. You're like, Oh man, I can so identify with that. That's not necessarily a good thing. No, you know? no, he's kind of being a jerk right yeah. now. And, yeah. and uh, 
yeah, good good characterization for him and and how and he grows. There's definitely growth mm-hmm. to him, and uh, he's not one of those characters, you know, that like uh, like uh, I'm trying to think of a good example, maybe Katniss from Hunger Games, where you where you start out and and then she grows and everybody like turns to her and she's the one. Mm-hmm. Be, you know, he is not the one. No, no, and that's actually <laughs> a really good comparison yeah. too because of the the setting. And the style and, you know, that first person style and the, the whole situation where you're overthrowing, you know, this uh, evil regime that's controlling your life. Um, Will has a much more realistic journey mm-hmm. than Katniss where, like I said, he's sitting out stuff and he's able to be a part of certain things because of his experiences. But then he's frustrated because... Uh, you know, I should be a part of this. That's going I should, on right yeah, I should now. be the commander of that yeah. thing or whatever. But ah. but they're like, well, no, Will, because you're too impulsive, yeah. you know, or something <laughs> like that. And he actually gets uh, scolded by by leaders, and yeah, and so that's why reading it this time around, I'm thinking, wow, I really like this character. I still do, but at the same time, I'm thinking, oh, that's a that was a poor move, buddy. <laughs> what are you thinking? And I remember getting frustrated with him when I was younger. And the other thing I remember getting frustrated about is in the, the first sequel, the, the City of Golden Lead, where he gets separated from Beanpole and um, his cousin. I can't remember uh, his I name. I can't remember his name either. But um, I always just picture used to scrub. Yeah. <laughs> uh, only bigger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um, his cousin comes with him from the village when he runs away, and then they pick up Beanpole along the way. And that's a part of that character development of him having to deal with, you know, sometimes because of his personality, he becomes a third wheel as Beanpole and his cousin are getting along. Yeah, they get along better with each other than they any of them do yeah. with him. But then in book two, he gets separated from them and put with Fritz. And I'm just thinking to myself, wait a minute, I like them. You know, I want to be, I want to be with Beanpole and Will. And But it's a realistic thing that happens it, it is, in life. It is. And fortunately, Beanpole does come back and he does some cool stuff. And, and I... Yeah, I, I like where they go and how they go with it. But yeah. So overall, um that's that's what these books are about and that's that's the world that they exist in. Um any other themes and things you want to talk about or Yeah, I mean one of the big themes for me was this idea of um uh, just of youth being called to mm. go against cu- culture. Mm. You know, and uh, he, Ozymandias, and this is something that when I read it this time around, I had noticed it. And you know, the mentoring relationship, you see that in um, so many different things. And as a kid, you're recognizing, oh, the teacher, you know, mm. and, you know, Luke Skywalker needed Obi-Wan Kenobi, Luke Skywalker needed Yoda. And that guy needed the karate master, you know, Daniel's son needed mm. Mr. Miyagi and, and that kind of thing. And so I recognize that. But this time around, I'm reading it and I'm thinking, oh, Ozymandias, he is a really great example of what we need to be doing, you know, is passing on our, our knowledge and our courage you know, mm. to uh, younger generations so that they can stand up against something that is clearly a problem. You know, mm. Clearly, the capping is not good. And, and I say clearly – the case could be made that 
if the aliens weren't evil and had an evil plan, the world's a better place. <laughs> yeah, you there's know? no wars. There's, there is no war. And there is still some conflict. People are still people, but they're held in check. By the caps. Yeah. And so nation is not going to war against nation. You know, next door neighbor might pop you in the nose because you allowed their uh, your, your cow to trample his garden or something like that. Um, so there's still some of that kind of stuff going on. Uh, the, the cap doesn't completely remove your humanity, but it's close. And you don't have the same amount of free will that you have. Yeah, it, li- it definitely limits your free will. And there's definite, uh, it's like you're doped up, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's a good way of putting it. So anyway, just that Ozymandias character recognizing and seeing the potential that Will has as a young man who could pot- possibly, you know, join this rebellion. Mm. And that that's a great example. But then Will takes it seriously, you know, and he puts himself on the line because it's what he needs to do. It's the truth. Yeah. One one theme that I thought was powerful in uh, the first book is, and I, I don't think this will spoil things, but there comes there comes a time where, well, you know, he's he's heard the mission, he's heard the truth, and he's accepted the call, and then he comes up into a situation that's causing him to question all the things that he's mm-hmm. resolved to do. You know, like, well, would it be so bad? Yeah. You know, because my circumstances have changed now. And well, it's like I just said, I mean, it's depending on how you look at it, it's not too bad. Right. It's not. Well, unless you have all the info. Right. Which, you know, which he does not at that point. And so, uh, yeah, he, he's questioning, you know, is, would it be so bad if I, you know, if the tripods were in control? Would it, you know, what if I, what if I did get capped? It wouldn't be so bad, you know? And he's, it's that temptation that draws us away, man. It's, it's such a good allegory for that. And, yeah. and then he comes to his senses and he's like, how could I have ever thought that? It makes me sick to my stomach that I was thinking those thoughts. Yeah. But you use the A word, allegory. Yes. And it's not. I mean, what the allegory comes from. Not a purposeful from, allegory. Right, right. The allegory comes from watching a human make a, a, a very natural poor choice you know and watching mm-hmm. a human i mean so there are these kind of generalized things that you can look at and say oh you know i can learn from that example you know i can mm-hmm. learn not to be impulsive by watching someone else who they might be you know impulsive with their anger and get in big trouble but then i can watch that and say oh i should probably be careful over in this area of my life because that example you know and that's the kind of thing here is that it's not meant to be an allegory right it just works because you're watching uh, a character who is making very natural, honestly, very natural choices as he's coming into maturity. And so you have this kind of false maturity that comes from being capped. And then you have this real growth that he goes through as he is dealing with all these situations and problems. And, um, and it's, that's the other interesting thing is that the adults don't really, they cannot connect with the, children because the adults have been capped and so their um their experiences have now been um uh have been oh what's the word i'm looking for altered not just altered but they've been um poisoned 
You know, I mean, mm-hmm. their their experiences are now through the lens of the capping and the cap. And that's another thing that the cap does that they explain is you it gives you a, like a wrapped devotion mm-hmm. to the tripod. So it's kind of like you are there in a crazy, strange cult religion thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, 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 yeah. And I don't want to get into like what happens at the end of 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 this, but um, uh, that the resolution is really interesting too. And so as things resolve and as they do what they're doing and as they're dealing with the fallout of everything, um, the fallout of just trying to to fight, you know, and, but then the, the, the fallout of actually fighting and, um, there's some really interesting things that happens, happens there as well. And the other thing is it doesn't end in the same way that, well, going back to star Wars, they blow up the death star. Metals. Metal ceremony. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, in here, I, this, this is a minor spoiler, but in this, uh, the third book has a lot of politics in it. Yes, <laughs> yes, it does. Figuring out, okay, so what's, what is, if we win, who's going to make the decisions around here? Yeah, who's who's going to be in charge? Does this guy get to make decisions just because he's made military decisions and it's it gets into some of those politics but again it's you're watching a character mature i don't remember the politics from when i was a kid right you know i that was one of the things that i when i read it this time around i'm like i don't remember all this and i'm pretty sure that's because i just didn't care yeah yeah (laughs) like okay oh it's a bunch of old men talking and will listening one cool thing about the audio drama or not the audio drama it was just a guy reading okay and uh it and I was like, okay, why did they pick this guy to read? Because it's it's he's like he must be in his fifties or sixties. The the man, the narrator, reading, uh, and he's reading, you know, the part of a twelve year old boy. But he could nail all the accents, <laughs> and that's probably why they picked him. Because it's the whole series is very uh, multicultural, international, and uh, you know all all the sorts of places in Europe and and even other places. And uh, he could just nail all the accents. So when he's switching voices between characters, it was very. Very interesting because I couldn't do that in my head even with mm-hmm. some of them. So, yeah. And with that said, and reading it this time around, and I get to the, where the the old people are talking and the young people are listening and stuff. I'm reading it now, and I'm just I'm getting frustrated along with Will. You know, and I'm just, right? Oh man, these guys again. You know, and. and and again, there's there's realistic stuff happening as, oh, yeah. as poor choices are being made and um, or choices are being made for the wrong reason, but maybe it's the right choice. And there's just cool stuff going on. And so that's this is one of those sci-fi stories that is not pushing pushing the the science of the sci-fi. Uh, it's, it really is more of a fantasy story, but it's absolutely a human story. Mm. And and so yeah, so I think I've read this. This is my well, I read it a bunch of times in middle school. I couldn't tell you how many times in middle school, but outside of middle school, I I might have read it in college once. And so this is me coming back to it now. And I was so glad that at least I mean, more than 30 years, it's held up. Yeah. You know, and I enjoyed it almost on the same level. Reading it as a child, I'm reading it, the adventure, reading it now. I'm enjoying the adventure, but I'm also enjoying things that I don't think I noticed before. Right. Same, same for me. I mean, except I was I wasn't kidding when I read it, but it's just it it is holds up to any 
sort of sci-fi movie that I enjoy. I wish they would make it into a movie. Disney currently has the rights to it. Well, let's talk about that. Okay. Because it does exist in screen form. Oh, you're right. It does. <laughs> uh, so if you're familiar with um, uh, the Chronicles of Narnia, BBC on, uh, the series. BBC version of mm. the Chronicles of Narnia, uh, the tripods got a similar treatment. And I did watch that. Uh, again, this is almost 20 years ago. It was the summer when um, when I got married. I got it from the library, the big South Bend library. Nice. Uh, where they had just one level of that giant library is just all the movies and wow. stuff. that's cool. And I don't know how I came across it, if I was looking for it or what, but they had it. I rented the miniseries, watched it over a weekend. We were living at uh, Camp Raybird at that time. Okay. And so this was a weekend in between camps. And so I watched it um, whenever, you know, Pam would go to bed. Even back then she would go to bed early. Wow. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's not great, <laughs> but it's not horrible. Is it? Is it on the level of those... Uh... Those... I'm not going to say it's not. You mean you mean the Chronicles, the Chronicles of Narnia? Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a feeling that you would not be able to get past just the the oldness and the hokiness. Okay, well, here's one thing I want to talk about, Ben. Since we're talking about depictions, book covers included, it drives me bonkers when because many of the book covers for these books depict the main character kids in modern day clothing. Yeah, well, I mean, the books I have right here, they I, I don't aren't think quite they do. Yeah, modern, but they are. It's like post-apocalyptic sort of looking. Yeah, that that kid is. Yeah, these kids look like they could be in jeans and t-shirts. Oh, they're kids in this picture. Yeah. Oh, in the corner there. yeah, yeah. See, um, and that drives me crazy because one of the main things that I, that I think is so interesting about the book <laughs> is that they're in medieval future you know and they're dressed like medieval times too but in most of these they're in like jeans and t-shirts and button-up shirts well and i showed you the the covers of the books that i had right which are very abstract yeah sort of covers totally um but there's some pretty cool sci-fi art on some of these covers because there's been yeah. a ton of different editions yes and there, so there's one that you that i showed you that i'd never seen before that had a picture of the alien on it and you're like well, that's ugly oh yeah yeah and i'm like that's awesome because but that's that b movie um you know sci-fi magazine type yeah. artwork and uh, my my favorite covers are by tim hildebrand mm -hmm. and he draws it just like how i would picture it in the book uh, so much attention to detail, hand painted, and they're in medieval clothing. Yeah, yeah. Like how it's described in the novel. Well, and the ones I had when I was a kid, um, the pictures of the people on the cover were just like almost outlines right, of, of yeah. just the person. So you, you, you fill in the blanks with what kind of clothing they're wearing. The tripods are just a dome. <laughs> with spindly with stick legs. Well, it's not, they're not quite stick legs because they curve. Yeah. So they're more like uh It's like a very 70s sort of yeah cover. Yeah. And not quite trippy. Not not quite abstract enough to be trippy, but it does it's remind me like yellow me, submarine sort of. Yeah, yeah. And and I like those covers. Um and they did color how I viewed things when I read them. So mm -hmm. I still picture the tripods as these kind of very uh plain, very smooth, uh very, you know, just no detail at all yeah. when I when I picture those tripods and when I did finally get around to reading War of the Worlds 
that's how you that's picture. how I picture those tripods too. Tim Hildebrandt's uh, cover pictured or you know kind of shaped how I saw it, and uh, it's kind of like an ornate uh, sci-fi, lots of detail. It's very cool. If you saw the video promo that we put on our Facebook page for this episode, uh, I actually built that tripod featured in the video in Blender. I CG modeled it myself after the uh, Tim Hildebrandt design. So that was kind of fun. Fun project for me. Yeah, and I have drawn these tripods. <laughs> See? <laughs> nice. I've drawn those, you know, and <laughs> and they look just like that. I mean, they're inspired by this. There's other tripods that have more mechanisms and stuff like that that I just I don't I don't necessarily like, but I don't I'm not really a fan of the BBC version. <laughs> they they're kind of weird looking. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a picture yeah. of that. Yeah. That does they, not look very maneuverable. No, it, <laughs> well, that's because it's a real-world application. <laughs> right. And it's kind of got a joint, one joint, and then kind of telescoping legs and and this kind of rounded head thing. But. Yeah, it, it's not like a dome. It's kind of like a like a bunker on legs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. That's what it kind yeah. of looks like. <laughs> now, here's the other thing I'll say is talking about depictions. Um, there was a comic. Yes, the Boy this. Scout comic. The Boy Scout magazine, Boys, Boys Life. Probably. I think it's Boy's Life. Uh, had, they did like two pages every month of story in the magazine. And I was so excited when I was in middle school, I just happened across it. And I, I think we were getting them like month by month at, in our library. Nice. And uh, so I read, I think maybe eight pages of this comic. You know, and it was just so exciting to me. Like, I found it, you know? And, yeah. Um, it was exciting to me, too, until I saw that they were drawn in modern day <laughs> 70s clothing with the jeans and the flannel. I'm like, come on. Just taking the atmosphere out of the story. So the one thing that's kept me from trying to actually track down the BBC thing is that they never finished the trilogy. No, they ended after they, they City of did, Golden Lid. They did two series, and they never finished it. And I think the other thing is it's um, I I don't know if they ever made it available in region whatever region one is that what we are I region think so. two I think we're region whatever one. our region is for DVD encoding um, it's not made for our DVD players and so I haven't messed with with trying to get it because I do want to see it again but not enough to pay lots of money or to mess with doing what I did with uh, the three Bionic Man uh, reunion movies. What did you do? <laughs> I bought them and they're region two or whatever it is in England. Mm -hmm. And I ripped them so that we could watch them on my computer. And so I, I have these DVDs that I can never play. Nice. But I changed the region on my DVD player on my computer. So nice. I could rip them and, <laughs> and watch them. Yeah. Um. Um, but here's the other thing that we found. <laughs> there is a book by John Christopher. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing uh, cover image searches. Just just throw this out there. There's a book by John Christopher. I know nothing about this book, but the cover has this castle, and it's called The Little People, and it's a bunch of leprechaun elf people <laughs> with whips and swastikas on their they're, armbands. They're Nazi leprechaun elf people. <laughs> I, 
<laughs> I want to know what this is because John Christopher is not a. He, he didn't only do um, children's books, right? I right. mean, he did do a number of books that were in like my library when in middle school, but um, this book was not. This book was not. Um, yeah. Let's put it this way: Me and Ben casually checked to see if the rights for this thing were available to do a comic book, and then we were dismayed that Disney owns the rights and after john carter and tomorrowland it'll probably never see the light of day no no but i mean this is also one of those situations where hey we could do our own sequel to the war of the worlds that's in public domain very true so i mean if we ever if you ever see something come out from us with tripods in it it's inspired by this it's inspired by this but we're not ripping this off at all no no not at all <laughs> no <laughs> so anyway yeah it's that's that's our that's that's the tripods yeah and i recommend it and i hope um there are other people out there listening who have read these books and we'd love to hear from you about them yes you have so before we enter into spoiler territory i think we're going to talk about that just briefly but uh, i just love ben's little outline here he's written for the episode because we have all the points we're going to talk to and over in the corner far away from everything else he has the prequel (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> over yeah. here it's like uh, and it just says prequel there's no other notes yeah it. it's like, we don't we don't even want that near the other text ah uh, that prequel <laughs> at least it wasn't as horrible as it was in my mind when i first tried reading it and just said no i remember it was freaky when i first read it I think it was my first alien invasion story I'd ever read. Well, and it's not just alien invasion because it, there's hypnotism involved. There mm-hmm. is mind control involved. There is a body snatcher style. Well, don't of, they come in and like blow some stuff up originally, like initially? Well, and that could, they, the, they even that the, just freaked me out. Yeah. The, I mean, the tripod got attacked. Yeah. And yeah. But what was more freaky to me reading it now uh, than it would have been maybe as a kid is, is the, just the, use of technology mm. to take control, you know, and, uh, you, the use of screen images, um, to get children and to cause children to have that fanatic religious devotion to mm. the tripods. So, yeah. And how, in some ways, um, people just thought it was a joke. Like that's the alien invasion. They came and then we destroyed them. And then there's TV shows that they create. Well, turns out it's not us creating the TV show, but the TV show is, is started out by making fun of the tripods hmm. and then um, turned into this thing where it's actually um, worshiping them almost from the TV show. And I mean, there's again, elements of truth there yeah. where, you know, the thing that we laugh at becomes the thing that we accept later on. And yeah, so I, I recommend it as, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> if, if you got it there on your shelf, go for it, you know, but I'm not saying seek it out unless you really like the tripods trilogy and want to just read some more John Christopher. So, all right. Well, with that guys go out, read the book. We're going to play the spoiler organ now. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about the spoilers after you come back from reading it. Spoilers. Spoilers. 
okay, you have been warned. If the organ does not warn you, there's nothing else we can do <laughs> That's because right. it's been played. So, yeah. All right. Let's talk about some spoilers here. Let's talk about some specific things. Okay. So what was, before we talk about the big ones, just favorite moments? Uh, one of my favorite moments is toward the end of the first book where they are trying to get to the White Mountains and they're hiding under rocks. Oh, that was As the so tripods tense. are there and they just have to keep hiding and hiding for days and, and they're getting hungry and their muscles are getting in, you know, tightened and, um, there's some really cool stuff with that. Um, all the, the stuff in the city when Will is learning about the creatures in and, Paris. Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh, no, 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 the, the city of golden Lead. Yes. Where that's why it's my favorite. Yeah, when when he's learning about the aliens and all the stuff that they're doing, and and you're just experiencing it with him, that's really neat. I do love the Dead City, yeah, too. That's really cool, and I love in that first book that they, um, I mean, they have the exploding pineapples or whatever they call them, eggs. The eggs were the eggs, yeah, I think yeah. so. Uh, but they're grenades, yeah, you know, and they they become like the first people in a very very long time to actually take out a tripod, yeah, you know, yeah, and. Uh, so that's that's neat too. And, and uh, yeah, when I, I love what the description of Paris when they're walking through it, because it's uh, like trees have overgrown everything. Mm-hmm. You know, it feels very like Miyazaki ish. I don't know why I get that picture. Uh, maybe I mean, maybe kind of like Castle in the Sky where they go to Laputa. You know, and they maybe I mean it, I don't know for for me just the idea of just this dead land. Hmm. You know, this once thriving city. And now there's nobody, you know, and, and they're finding little different things here and there. That, I love when they find the cars and they're like, what are these? Yeah. Like, what are we using? Yeah, totally. Maybe they're little booths to take a break in, you know, from walking. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> and, well, you know, later on they find, I think it's a, a train tracks where they're using horses to pull uh, train cars, you know, to, yeah. to haul stuff, you know, and it's just, you know, that's, well, what else? It's here. It works. Let's do it. We don't know what else, what the ancients used it for, right? But this is what we're going to use it for. And I love a beanpole can like figure it all out just by yeah, yeah. Well, and he figures out steam, yeah. you know, and um, the balloons for the balloon attack yes. and, and different things like that. So, yeah, I mean, those are the, the ones that stick out to me. And I'm pretty sure White Mountains I read when I was younger more than I read the other ones. Okay, I, th- I think I might have read that one, and maybe I'm intending to read the whole thing. Maybe that's why it was. <laughs> I'm going to read the whole thing. Ah, I finished this one. I'll start the, ah, you know, get distracted by something else. And maybe I read a Star Trek novel or something then. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was, um, those, those are the things that stuck out to me. And I, I do like, um, just all the alien stuff, yeah. the world building there, the city design, yeah. all that stuff. Great yeah. stuff. And how it's all based on kind of this pyramid idea. It's because they are pyramid sort of shaped mm-hmm. aliens, and they kind of walk around. They they have um, you know multiple eyes, three eyes, three, three legs, eyes, three legs, three arms, and the other thing that's really cool is that the masters they lose the battle because they're complacent mm. because they have in their minds there is no way that humans are going to do anything because they control all of the humans that are adults. And they don't realize that there is this, you know, uh, they know about the vagrants, but what they don't realize is there's people who haven't been capped. 
Right. And that they could even, I mean, cause after the first, after the first book, they do realize that there's some people out mm-hmm. there, but they're like, what, I mean, what can they do? Horses. Yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> and pick pitchforks, you know, what can they, what can they do yeah. against us? Yeah. So those are the things that stick out to me as like just favorite moments. And, uh, so what are, what are your, some of your favorite moments? Cause we, there's a big one that I want to talk about. Yes. Yes. But well, I, like you were saying, I love everything about the city of golden lead. I mean, it's just so fascinating and it's really intense. Um, some nice suspense there. It's spy stuff. Yeah. Well, um, and, and when they actually decide they're going to get out, you yeah. know, and how are they going to get out and figuring that, and then, cause there was no exit plan going in. Cause you didn't know idea what was yeah, in there. They couldn't. You know? Right. So it was, it's, it's good stuff. And so I love all that. And, um, I did, I do not like the, the part where they're hiding under the rocks cause it's so tense, mm-hmm. you know, when you're reading it. But what I do like, which was kind of creepy is where they put that tracer on Will under mm-hmm. his skin, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That um, stuck out to me as a kid. Yeah. And they're, they're walking and the tripod just keeps following them and it'll just stand there at a distance, just watching them and they'll just keep walking and it'll just stay there. And then sure enough, a couple hours later, there it comes over the horizon and it just stops and watches and waits. Yeah. And then they figure out that he has this thing under his skin and they cut it out. Yeah. Like they, (laughs) it's, it's, it's really eerie that whole sequence. Mm -hmm. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. So this was something that in this reading, I mean, I completely forgot about and that's one of the big things. Yeah. That's uh, Eloise Mm. who is. Um, you were referencing this, well, what if I did stay and why is he thinking about this? Cause of a girl, Yep. you know, and he, he's, he's fallen ill. Uh, he's been wounded, you know, and so they bring him in and they're, they're caring for him and they're bringing him soup and stuff like that. And, and this is local royalty. Yeah. And so this is in a, another, another town. It's not his town. It's it, somewhere. No in one knows where he is. Uh, and the people who find him don't know who he is or what he is. And there's this girl and they hit it off and they, they get along. Um, and then there's this moment that's really, really awkward and really, really horrifying mm-hmm. where he grabs her hat. She's like wearing a turpin sort of thing. Yeah. And he grabs it and pulls it off of her head and realizes she's been capped. She's already been capped. So they're getting ready for a capping ceremony. But part of the capping ceremony is they're going to send some of their capped girls to the tripods. And so the worst part of it is in the city, she's been taken away by the tripods. Well, she she won the contest or something. Right, right. Yeah. So she's been taken by the tripods to go to the city, which they don't know that's where she's going. But she's just going to serve them yeah. in some capacity. So he's in the city and he is looking around in like this museum area where they have stuffed animals and you know, it's, it's a zoo or well, it's, it's a museum. It's a museum of earth, of earth, things. flora and fauna. Yeah. And then he comes across this place where there are all these people and one of them's Eloise and taxidermied people. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're stuffed, you know, they're, and it's just a horrible, horrifying moment where, you know, there's just no hope now, you know, the hope was potentially, well, she got taken away, but maybe they could rescue her or something. In my mind, it's I don't think Will even thinks about like we could possibly rescue right. Eloise. I don't think that's even on his mind. Well, it's because he but, knows she like he has this horrible moment of despair 
when he, you know, he's like, come away with me, you know, mm-hmm. we can, we can go together and just be together. And she's like, no, like <laughs> serving the tripods is the, the most wonderful thing that could ever happen to me. I'm, uh-huh. I would never pass up this opportunity. And so this is what serving the tripods was for her mm. was they just took her and they, they just, well, have, cause she won the beauty contest. Right. Right. And, and they just, but they just have no conception of human, uh, individuality. You know, and and she is not a person that they're stuffing. She's a thing hmm. in in their mind. A fine specimen. Yeah, yeah. And there are some masters who do appreciate the individuality of the humans. Yeah, but sort it's just, of to it's, an extent. It's an appreciation, right? You know, they they don't respect them. Um, Will's master turns out to be one who doesn't beat his servant. Well, because he finds much, but... he finds the the idea of having a pet. Is mm-hmm. fascinating, and and so he kind of treats yeah yeah Will like a pet, and so Will gets a little bit more freedom than uh, Fritz gets, but you know Fritz is getting beaten by his master, yeah. and the other thing that's kind of horrifying about that second book is what happens to people in the dome because they just their bodies can't handle the in, in, intense gravity and, and the atmosphere and the atmosphere, even though they're getting the atmosphere they need and they're able to wear like a, a makeshift space helmet kind of thing. Um, oh, but that's no, not the atmosphere. It's the temperature. Yeah. Because they're sweating like nonstop. And so with this, though, they they wear down. Your body just wears down. And they just send them off to like to the a place recycling. of happy release. Yeah. Uh, and since they're capped, they don't realize that they're just being sent to die. You know, they're being sent to become soyant green in some ways. Um, they don't realize it. They don't care, you know, because they're serving the masters but will and fritz realize that there could come a point where they would become uh un uh unusable as servants and they would get sent there but then that also becomes the perfect cover for them right is they're able to use that place where you go and get incinerated basically and they can go there and go beyond and and like no say they're going twice. there, but yeah. then they don't actually. And that's the other cool thing, though, about the masters, though, is that no one, none of the masters think twice that any human would be doing anything that they're not supposed to be doing. Because they're all capped. Yeah. And, you know, Will and Fritz are wearing fake caps. Right. And unfortunately, it's not a, a direct mind control. Because if it was, I think the masters would realize, wait, they're not following commands. Right. You know? <laughs> they're able to um, disguise some of the stuff that they weren't supposed to do as clumsiness or as, um, you know, forgetfulness or something like that. But yeah. So Eloise, I completely forgot about it. I think I might've even texted you you right after I read that part where I was just like, Oh my goodness, I forgot completely that this even happened. So what do you think about the ending? How they defeat all of the, because what they end up doing it, and this is the one part that I'm like, ah, I wish they would have figured out some other way. Because I don't know, but it's good after reading, after going through it a second time. I'm like, okay, I can get behind this. The hot air balloon thing. Yeah. So what are you you're referring then to the the assault? Yeah, I'm just I'm just referring yeah. to the assault, the Death Star yeah. trench run with hot air balloons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I which, liked it. Which based which based yeah. on what the technology they have, I mean, yes. It's by far the best they could do. Okay, there, there's not going to be a... Well, no, they had made planes, and then the Masters had an EMP or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they're able to figure out how to get around that. But um, this book series is not going to end on a downer. 
You know, right. it's not going to end with them not winning. Right. Uh, it'd be a completely different thing, and it probably wouldn't have caught on and gotten multiple printings right. and stuff like that if it had ended on a downer. But um, that so you have that in mind, then you have to say, okay, so how do we make it work? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I can how imagine can John this? Christopher just saying, I don't know. How could they win? And, you know, well, why not? Yeah, hot, hot air balloons. It, I mean, hot air balloons work because of the technology. Yeah. There's no moving parts, there's no electricity, there's no combustible engine or anything like that. And they've got bombs that they're dropping from it to right. break the dome and basically mm-hmm. kill all the. Masters. So they break the dome and then that allows our atmosphere to enter and their atmosphere escapes and they're going to die. Yes. And, um, I think it's just the imagery mm-hmm. is not as epic as I want it to be. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know? no. But I would not change it for the world. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the final sacrifice has a lot of weight to it. Which, which one? With his cousin. Oh, yeah. Who sacrifices his life to make sure the dome blows. Yeah, yeah. And then the other thing that <laughs> kind of is, uh, okay, well, I mean, we set up that they're gonna they're basically terraforming. And there's a ship coming. Right. Well, now that we've done this, the ship's not going to come. Or if it comes. It did come. But it left. Right. Because all you the know. cities and all the people on uh, the colonists have all been destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's, well, okay. It's not worth it now. <laughs> so we'll just go. <laughs> and they win. Well, didn't they say they d- they've done this to other worlds too? Maybe. But then isn't there the implication also that we're, humans are going to figure out space flight? And maybe go after them. Oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to remember. No, he he said, he said, you know, you know, we're we're now that we're relearning everything, space flight's probably in the near future. And he, I think he just said something like, "They we'll better meet them out there." Yeah, they better watch out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, a sequel trilogy taking place a hundred years later, going into space and finding the tripods. There could be some interesting stuff. Yeah, that'd be super cool. Um, but um, I thought it was. A, at the same time, I, I think it would have the same problem where it's not Will. You know? Yeah, yeah. I thought it was interesting that uh, the aliens decided to use the brainwashing method because we had atom bombs. And apparently that's something that can go toe-to-toe with any of their stuff. Yeah. So. Well, and if you read it in the, the prequel, I mean, they are catching things and and softening everyone up, you know, like we don't have to fire a shot almost, you know, we can just waltz right in, take control, hypnotize people, hypnotize enough people that the other people who are left over can't do anything about it. And it's, yeah, again, getting into the body snatcher kind of thing and, and just changing things before they have a chance to do anything. And there's some, there's some good stuff in the prequel. I, again, I recommend the trilogy wholeheartedly. Yeah. The prequel <laughs> I have it because it came in the box set. <laughs> nice. The, the box set that I got so my kids could have um, readable copies because my covers are coming off and stuff in my old ones. So I bought one of my best friends the box set. Yeah. He has not read it. Well, I don't think he deserves to be your friend. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. The other thing I liked about <laughs> the other thing I liked about the ending is the politics stuff going on. You know, yes. They're figuring out how do we rule, how do we run, how do we, you know, do we keep those borders that we had before? And you almost get yes. this 
Yeah. Is what they, is what they basically yeah. You almost get the impression that basically, you know, here we go again. Yeah. You know, and here they have a chance to start over and start fresh. As a united human mm-hmm. race. But they're not going to mm. because they can't. And it's frustrating, but at the same time, it's totally, if it it's, it works, it's exactly what would happen. Yes. I think is what would happen because humans are humans. Yep. We're fallen. We are going to follow our human uh, desires and selfishness and, and all that. So, yeah. Any other spoiler, spoilery things you want to talk about before we wrap this up? I mean, I thought the the fi- the pool of fire part was very interesting, mm-hmm. um, where the kid just touches the pole and just instantly dies. <laughs> I thought that was like, wow, that's interesting. And they don't tell you why. It's just no. really, uh, and I like it. I like I like all of it. It's so cool. So, all right, I think that's where we can stop talking. Then, all right, it's. Uh, yeah, I I enjoyed coming back to it. I'm so glad that we were going to do this episode because it caused me to come back to it and buy it for my kids. Yep. And, yeah. and I, I, like we've been recommending it, recommending it, recommending it. Read it so then you can come talk to us about it because we like to talk about mm-hmm. it. I want to hear your thoughts about it. Yeah. And if anybody from Disney's listening, let's come on. Let's get a move on here. And uh, if you guys don't want it, we'll take it. Yeah, just relinquish yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let someone else do it. This is not one of those situations where you have to snatch up the rights and then just hold on to it so nobody does something with it. That's right. You know, it's like, yeah, we're going to make money off of it, but if we aren't going to make money off of it, no one else is going to make money off of it. If you've lost faith in sci-fi, okay. We have not. Well, they haven't lost faith in sci-fi. They just found better money makers than John Carter in Tomorrowland. So sad. We did get Big Hero 6. So. Yeah, but. I mean, technically that's Marvel. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Final words, Evan? Uh, Klaatu Barada Nikto. And for me, thank you for listening. Thank you so much for listening. And Godspeed. You've been listening to the Strangers and Aliens podcast. Hosted by Ben Avery, Steve MacDonald, and Dr. Jace O'Neill. Our music was composed and mixed by Tim Leffel. Please join in the conversation by visiting our website, strangersandaliens.com, where you will find show notes, articles, reviews, and more. You can also email us directly at podcast at strangersandaliens.com, or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash strangers, or you can leave us a voicemail on the Strangers and Aliens hotline. Just call 1-804-37-ALIEN and leave your message. And once again, thanks for listening.